fucking more of a pain in the ass than just winging it. Spring was never waiting for us, girl. It ran one step ahead as we followed in the dance. Between the parted pages and were pressed in love's heart fevered iron like a striped pad of pants. <laughs> I don't know why I like that song, but you know what the thing is about MacArthur's Park is um, I don't just like like the song. I like the, ver- the, the shitty version that Richard Harris sings. Maybe that's because I'm a cinephile. You know, I'm one of them, uh, what do you call it, movie buff or movie geek cinephile. Um, but I was listening to that because I feel like shit. I'm going to try and soldier through this like Kurt Russell in Soldier. What the hell was his name in that? He only It was like, um, he only had like one Todd. I think it was T-O-D-D, Todd. And I don't know if that was like some kind of acronym or what. But um, that's another one. I, I look back now, I'm starting to become one of those old timers that when somebody mentions a movie, I'm like, oh shit, I have that on VHS. Or, um... I started watching Sneakers the other day with uh, Robert Redford, where he kind of plays Julian Assange, or I don't know what the fuck he plays, uh, way before that ever happened. Um, But it just hit me. I was like, I think that, I think Sneakers was the first DVD that I ever, like, bought. Um, I was still uh, resisting and... um, only buying VHS, and of course, when they first came out, um, um, DVDs actually, you know, they were a lot more expensive. And uh, I think, I think sneakers. I don't know if it was in a cheap movie bin. Well, I don't even think they had cheap movie bins back then when uh, DVDs first came out. But it, it couldn't have been that expensive. Plus, I probably saw it in the theater and was like, oh, I really like that, you know. And I, I watch it again. <laughs> Sidney Poitier and River Phoenix and, uh, oh, um, those other people. <laughs> What's that guy's name that played the sexy beast? Ben Kingsley? He's in that. Dig. So anyway, I was looking through there and, you know, it was in MacArthur Park for some reason, again. I think, uh, that's going to be one of those ones that's, um, like, um, catcher in the rye or something like that when they finally come to my house and uh, for whatever reason and 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 look through all my shit they'll they'll find like 400 uh albums cassettes eight tracks uh reel to reel of richard harris singing macarthur's park maybe not i'm just probably just making that up 
Um, I hope I don't do anything. I don't think I would do anything like that. I'm pr- I'm pretty boring to be any kind of a of a, like um, the movie Seven where where uh, they would go into those um, hotel rooms and stuff, and there'd be like giant obese people with I don't know like those things you hang from the ceiling to keep stink from stinking. <laughs> I was looking at Richard Harris's uh, IMDb. I don't know if I want to go too far in it because that motherfucker worked a lot. But uh, I think probably I wouldn't say it was the first thing I saw him in, but it, the first thing notable that he was in that I can see here, I think, was probably Guns of Navarone when he was uh, one of the airmen who um, they were talking about attacking. You know the the cliffside that had the titular guns of Navarone and he um, he put up the most uh, he, um, resistance uh, verbally, you know, the bloody cannons and the bloody cliff wall and the bloody this and the bloody that and everything. But And then uh, let's see what else we got here for Richard Harris, Major Dundee. Um, that was with um, Charlton Heston was the, um, the star of that one. And I think Warren Oates was in that too. There was a bunch of people in that, but that was like Peck and Paul, one of his big failures. That I even remember when it was on TV uh, when I was a little kid, and like my dad loved westerns, and and we'd start watching it, and it was just kind of a uh, shitty movie. <laughs> um, it's probably one of those ones where Richard Harris. I always think it's funny when he would uh, play like a um, like a. a, a guy from Georgia or some, you know, some Southerner. And, um, let's see, Heroes of Telmark. I saw that. That's Kirk Douglas, I'm pretty sure. But I don't remember too much about it. And then, of course, Cam- Camelot. Uh, Molly Maguire's. We covered that on the show with him and uh, Sean Connery. Uh, Man Called Horse. Now, that was one that Man Called Horse and the return of the Man Called Horse. But when Man Called Horse first came out, and it was in the theater, it was like 1970, and there was a, a lot of, um, um, how you say, uh, I shouldn't say scuttlebutt, controversy, perhaps. <coughs> See, I told you I was sick, again. Um, it went from, it, it was probably at the most negative, like 12 here, and it was freezing last night and this morning, and now it's 60 fucking degrees. So that's probably why I feel like shit. But there are a whole bunch of people at work that are getting this flu bug and uh, coming. Of course, they try and soldier through, come to fucking work, coughing all over the place, and they're sick to show that they, you know, oh, and fucking get everybody else sick. But um, Man Called Horse was kind of controversial. I remember even when they showed it on TV, they would have that little um, disclaimer, you know, viewer discretion advised and everything. And from what I could ascertain after seeing it, I'm not sure if I ever saw it uncut. I just remember seeing it on TV because they would show it on TBS uh, a lot. And I think the most... I think when they said... um, about it being, you know, a viewer discretion is advised or whatever, um, was because of that um, the the dance thing that they do where they pierce the uh, with these like sharpened um, either animal teeth or bones, and they sharpen them and they pierce um, the chest of the warriors 
on two uh, over each like pectoral pectoral and hook it to like a thong of um of um like cured leather and they would dance around and then and when they get to this certain part they would fling themselves back and it would pull the skin on their chest like i mean it would just it would just get worse and worse where it would just pull it from the from like their chest and it would be like all you know stretched out and everything until i guess until they would go around and do it until it it actually broke through but it was pretty i haven't seen that in forever and it was pretty brutal and pretty uh grueling to watch uh watch that i need to i'd like to go back and watch that now just because you know i am an adult sort of um man in the wilderness that was the um movie that um well the story that uh the revenant with um dicaprio and tom hardy was based on about um the the trapper that got mauled by the bear and they left him out in the out in the woods i think john houston directed that one um but it was a they that's another one they showed on tbs all the time uh or quite a bit and um deadly trackers i saw that that's um one where um of course richard harris who is you know english um is a cowboy he's like the uh sheriff of a of a small town and um uh rod taylor rides into the town with his gang of you know buttholes there he's a he's a a villain in this one and um the the town it's almost like um the great uh northfield raid where the the bank robbers come into town but the um the citizens kind of were warned or prepared so they were all prepared up on the roofs and everything everybody in town with a gun and so the the bad guys were pretty much fucked they held up i think in the bank and um so they pretty much had him but then something happens that richard harris who's the sheriff has to let him go and then it's you know the deadly trackers he has to track him down motherfucker i love rod taylor seeing him play a bad guy was kind of kind of uh odd but you know i like when uh actors stretch and you know i was talking about richard harris being english and uh playing a cowboy but um um rod taylor is from australia and and you know if you saw only his westerns like chucka and train robbers and and things like that or even uh dark of the sun the mercenary movie you'd never know it i mean he's kind of like mel gibson some of these um i'm going to talk about that well the tv show longmire that i am watching um the the lead actor that plays um walt longmire who is a sheriff out in like wyoming in modern day uh i was like where's this guy you know because he's an older guy and i was like where did this guy come from he just didn't fall out of you know fall out of the sky he's an older guy and and he's a good pretty good actor and it's uh robert taylor and he actually is uh australian too he played one of the agents in the matrix that was with uh, agent smith or one of the matrix uh sequels it might have been well it's probably the uh uh the original i can't remember if the original matrix it had more than just smith yeah it did because uh at the end when uh, neo you know becomes the, the one or whatever spoiler alert horror um he's one of those agents he's kind of got like reddish hair and that and uh you know of course they're all wearing sunglasses but i would have never thought that until i think uh christina uh told me 
Uh, let's see what else we got here. 99 and 44 one hundredths dead percent dead is uh, one that uh, it was on that uh, double feature DVD with um, oh that movie the horror uh, hard what the fuck's that movie called it's a uh, Jason Miller oh shit now I'm gonna have to look it up. The Jason Miller movie with uh, where he is kind of like a organized crime guy out in the Midwest. Hard ride, is it hard ride? Hmm. Let me look it up. I don't want to. I don't want to be a a fart face any more than usual. <laughs> let's see. Let's go back here. Nickel ride, the nickel ride. Well, I got ride part. The ride part, right? Um, it was on a double feature that you can get pretty cheap with uh, Nickel Ride. And it stars, you know, of course, Richard Harris, because that's who we're talking about. And it's kind of a parody of, like, uh, James Bond movies with all the gadgets and stuff like that. Richard Harris wears the biggest pair of fucking, uh, like, uh, actual prescription glasses, real thick prescription glasses. And they're like the, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they're the ones that he wore all the time because he used to, um, when he was on like a lot of those 70s talk shows, he would wear those glasses and he wore them in the Wild Geese too when he would be like reading a map and stuff. And uh, Chuck Connors is pretty funny in that because he's the, um, he's the bad guy. He would be like Jaws in um, Spy Who Loved Me or Moonraker and he's the big villain guy and he's got this, um, he has a, I think a, amputated hand so he wears like this these attachments that have um um like machine guns or um different kinds of uh weapons and one of them has like a dildo on it which is pretty funny um never saw juggernaut that's when i've seen the box artwork too and uh i have never caught that one so i'm gonna have to take check that one out i loved robin and marion um um with sean connery and robert shaw uh, that's a really good one I haven't seen in a while, and it's a it's a great take on um, um, Robin Hood and Sheriff of Nottingham when they get old. Um, really, I mean, I missed that one for a long time, and then when I finally watched it, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's kind of one of those ones that's uh, really kind of touches your heart because it shows them as as you know uh, aging. Uh, they can't go like they can't do. They can't do the stuff that they that they used to do, even though they try, you know. Uh, Cassandra Crossing, that's one that kind of scared me when I was a little kid. Um, they would show the trailer for it on TV, uh, and um, it's like a train that, I don't know if it's like an Amtrak train or something that's going across the country, and there's a, a, a deadly virus gets set loose on it. So they send in like the SAS or, or, or I don't know, back then Delta Force, some kind of military thing. I can't remember if it takes place in England or if it takes place in the United I'm thinking it takes place in the United States. And um, the, it's almost like the crazies where they send in like the government guys that are all dressed in like hazmat suits with a, with a gas mask and everything. And they look really faceless, ominous. Uh, people and and they're coming to not only stop the train but to to either kill everybody on the train so they don't spread this you know disease which could go like and wipe out humanity or whatever probably some kind of biological weapon I haven't seen it in a long time I, I, I like to that's one of those um 
1970s movies where they had a whole shitload of people starring in it. Um, famous people. I think O.J. Simpson might be in that too. Dig it. Uh, Orca. That was, of course, like a Jaws, you know, capitalizing on the whole Jaws thing with the killer whale. And uh, it also had Bo Derek in it. <laughs> Richard Harris! And it's like, motherfucker, why don't you just go out? Why don't you just go and live on the land? And then the Orca could never get you. The Orca wanted to get revenge on Richard Harris because uh, he killed the Orca's. Um, uh, the, the female Orca, which was pregnant. And then he took a hose and sprayed it off the the baby orca off the uh, deck. And the male orca was out in the water, and they focused on its eyeball. Yeah, they did. Um, The Wild Geese, we covered that on the show, one of my uh, old-time favorites. That's another one they showed on TBS a lot. Um, TBS liked Richard Harris. Richard Harris! Uh, Tarzan the Ape Man, another pairing of... um, um, Richard Harris and Bo Derek. I don't know what was going on there. Um, but that one, he he played her. He she played Jane, of course, and he plays uh, her dad. I, I remember seeing that. That was one of those movies that was like Bolero, where uh, after Ten with Dudley Moore, um, Bo Derek became this. You know, she was like Sharon Stone in uh, Basic Instinct. If, but of course, you know, she didn't have nearly as big a part as Sharon Stone did. Um, she was just. Dudley Moore's Dream Woman in 10 and uh, then after that she was in Playboy I think a couple times and everybody she was like the hot commodity and but she couldn't act and she was married to John Derrick who played Joshua in uh, the Ten Commandments and he was a uh, uh, into like photography and stuff he was also married to uh, Ursula Andress and uh, Linda Evans from the Big Valley and um, oh who else well Bo Derrick and um, I thought there was a, one other one there was like four of these statuesque, beautiful blondes, and when I think when uh, when they turned thirty, John Derrick would dump them and fucking go find another like a nineteen-year-old until you know they ke- they kept getting you know younger and he would get older. But they, he must have been a hell of a man because uh, I think I've said this on the show. They said when he died, like all four of these uh, women that were married to him, Hollywood actresses, beautiful blondes, and everything, all of them came to his bedside and sat there and they just said how great he was and everything. So, you know, Hey man, that's a hell of a way to go. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here for Richard Harris? Um, strike commando two. Huh? <laughs> what the fuck's that? Strike commando two. Let me look this up. I did not know they made Strike Commando 2. I remember Strike Commando. That was uh, Reb Brown. What was Strike Commando 2, people? How come you never told me about this? Michael Ransom's Vietnam squad leader, Vic Jenkins, is captured by terrorists, demanding $10 million worth of diamonds in return for his release. Well, it doesn't have... It does not have um, Reb Brown in it, so maybe that's... (laughs) Maybe that's why it wasn't such a big deal, you know. Without the without the star qual- uh, quality, it had, it had Richard Harris, but it did have Red Brown. And it seems like this is almost like a Rocky or not Rocky Rambo three, um, where they kidnap his commanding officer or whatever. And of course, his commanding officer is Richard Harris. I gotta make a, I gotta save that so I can see if I can find it. Strike Commando two. Hmm, that's odd. I thought uh, from the GGTMC I would know uh, all these movies 
and they let me down. What the fuck? Fuck. Uh, the Field with uh, Richard Harris and, and uh, Tom Berenger. That's a good movie. I like that one. Uh, it takes place in Ireland. Um, I put off seeing... That one got nominated for... Well, I think either he got nominated or the actual The Field got nominated for an Oscar. Didn't win, but uh, it was a good movie. I liked it. Patriot Games. He had like a small part in that. He was um, one of the guys that uh, was kind of a... Um, uh, guy that raised money for the IRA. He was probably like a Sinn Féin guy, maybe, that uh, was in the political end of the IRA uh, that um, Harrison Ford and Samuel L. Jackson go to in a bar to tell... to tell... give a kind of a warning, like, hey, motherfucker, we're the U.S. government, and, you know, you fucked with one of ours, and blah, blah, blah. Sean Bean, we're coming for you, you motherfucker. Unforgiven, he played the duck of death. Uh, <laughs> you gotta love the duck. Uh, let's see, his interaction with um, Gene Hackman. I almost said Gene Simmons. Now, wouldn't that have been a different fucking movie if uh, in the Unforgiven, if Clint Eastwood, for some reason or another, had cast Gene Simmons as uh, the sheriff of the town? Ugh. The town, they'd have to use Lysol to, like, fucking wipe down the whole fucking town after he walked through. Uh, Wrestling Ernest Hemingway, that was a pretty good, uh, like, small little movie with um, Richard Harris and uh, Robert Duvall, about two senior citizens. And, uh, like, um, well, I think um, Richard Harris does not live in a retirement home. For some reason, I was thinking that Robert Duvall... I haven't seen that one in a long time. But they're two, like, old uh, senior citizens, and it's kind of, like, about them living their lives and the stuff they go through. I, just, I remember, like, a, a social worker going to um, Richard Harris's house, and he comes to the to the front door completely naked. And, you know, she's talking to him through the screen door, and he's fucking, like, a 70-year-old man, butt naked. Is it buck naked or butt naked? I've heard both. I don't even care. Why am I talking to you people? <laughs> he was a gladiator. This is when he's starting to get really old and, you know. Yeah. Is he dead? I hate, I hate to say it like that. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, he died in 2002. He was 72. Because I was going to say, we're at, uh, the last thing he did was uh, 2003, and he did like a voice uh, uh, acting kind of voiceover thing. Um, for some, why did I still think Richard Harris might be alive? My God, he was when was he born? Nineteen thirty. Yeah, he would be pretty fucking old. Well, let's see, what's this movie? Um, there was a black and white movie. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I just remember seeing. I had only seen it one time, and it was on the that uh, channel that I like called This, and it's where he plays a soccer or a football player, and it's in black and white, and it's really good. And he's just a real, like, a, he's one of those sportsmen that, you know, real macho and everything. And um, But he's a real dick, like, uh, you know, just kind of rough. Almost like a caveman, just real rough. The Sporting Life, that's a good fucking movie if, if you guys haven't seen it. I really like that one. I'd like to watch that one again. I, like I said, I, I only saw it once. I'd never even heard of it. And I was watching it, and it's a, a, such a... a um, an unsympathetic character. I mean, he's a real jerk in that one. Um, but it's but it's good. It's a nice character study. But uh, off, to the, off of the Richard Harris, that's just for some reason I got on the uh, uh, MacArthur. MacArthur Park is melting in the dark. 
All the sweet green icings flowing down. Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it, cause it took so long to bake it, and I'll never have that recipe again. Oh no! <laughs> and, and as horrible as I was just singing that, I think that um, I still was better than Richard Harris. I just love the fact uh, uh, they had on a VH1 special where they were talking about one, uh, like one-hit wonders. And uh, that was, I don't know if it would be considered a one-hit wonder because it was actually a hit with Richard Harris singing it. But then um, I think Donna Summer sang it, and it was a big, like a disco hit. But um, um, Jimmy Webb, who was like this great uh, um, writer, uh, wrote like, I mean, geez, him and Glenn, he wrote like most of Glenn Campbell's like really famous um songs that were huge hits and uh he wrote that uh this one song with uh or garfunkel which was i i had never heard before and i i love simon and garfunkel and for some reason i thought you know I'm, i was going to um look up some of art garfunkel's solo stuff because he was never as successful of course as he was with uh, paul simon and i found that song and it was the first one i listened to and i was like oh my god this is a really great song and then i looked and saw that jimmy webb was the one that wrote it um Oh, what the heck is that song? I'll give you a... Uh, oh, All I Know. Yeah, I love that song. I even As soon as I heard it, I was listened to it about a million times, went and downloaded it. Uh, and then I saw on YouTube, that's one that um, a, a bunch of people have... Um, it's like one of those Bob Dylan songs that, like, uh, me and Bobby McGee or something that a whole bunch of people have... Uh, recorded that or remade it um, and then I found one YouTube clip where Jimmy Webb is actually on like the Share show or one of those variety shows in the 70s and he sings it and then I was like okay now I know why other people recorded his stuff he he just kind of had an average voice it you know, wasn't really that good um, I watched Tron Legacy from 2010 um, the original title was just Tron, but of course I I don't know if I mean I used to play that game in the in the uh, arcade and I enjoyed the game. I don't th- I don't know if I ever saw the whole uh, original movie Tron. I probably caught bits and pieces of it on TV, but if I have had seen it all the way through, it's been so long that I can't even fucking remember. Um, Jeff, uh, well, first of all, uh, Garrett uh, Headland is like the young guy, the main guy in this. And I was like, where have I seen this guy before? Because in this movie, um, he is pretty, um, from what I've seen, what I had seen him in and know him from, I would have never thought it was the same guy. It's the guy that played Johnny Five in um, Inside Lewin Davis. Johnny Five! The, the poet that's kind of like uh, uh, Jack Kerouac, kind of a uh, guy that rides around with John Goodman's character in um, Inside Lewin Davis, which is another one that I've seen so many times, but I actually want to watch again. Um, was reading about uh, you know the making of that and how it was received and how some of the people in the folk community thought about that movie. Um, they said there were some people that didn't like it because they said that they took that 
the Coens took the that time period and what was going on with the, the, the folk community and like Greenwich Village and stuff like that and you know that David uh, Van Ronk who Lewin Davis the songs that he was singing were kind of based on and the character was sort of based on that but that's what the, the Cohen said you know that we we used they used him as kind of a template as far as the music and you know what the the guy's musical style and stuff like that but the they were complete opposites Lewin Davis and that David Van Ronk were two complete opposites because he was so uh the character in the movie was so cynical and such an asshole and i think that's the the cohen's kind of their little bit of a um one of the things that kind of made it funny was you know the the people that were singing all those songs and you know it it was a precursor to the peace and love movement kind of uh sort of maybe wedged in between a, the beatnik thing but um the way that the people that that were that didn't like the movie that were lived back then and some of the people that are like connoisseurs of that kind of music said you know this was a time where in that community everybody was like really cool and everybody really liked each other and they you know you come stay at my house and and you know uh we'll we'll uh give you a place to eat and sleep and stay and almost like a communal kind of a thing and everybody got along and everything whereas in the movie you know it was it was sort of the, the opposite especially with Lou and Davis and and uh you know how he was treated women and how he was jealous and you know what a cynical kind of a petty person he was uh, but that's that's what they you know they said you know it wasn't a biography or anything it was just a they used that era as a template and i think the way that their sense of humor is by taking it it would be like taking the peace and love generation of the 60s and you know making them all kind of like uh, put putting somebody in there that was like a real jerk and you know well i guess you know charles manson or something like that but i'm curious to see what quentin tarantino is going to do um in his next movie which may be his last um they said that it's going to be based around the time period of um of charles manson and i guess that's going to be a part of the of the movie the manson murders and stuff like the spawn ranch and 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 all that shit where they lived and so but it's hard to tell what he's going to do because like like with um inglorious bastards or whatever uh it takes maybe take like a historical kind of a thing and he'll probably have um i don't see tarantino doing a straight uh up um movie that is just a you know, here's Charles Manson, and and here's all the people that followed him, and you know, a straight bo- uh, like biopic or whatever. Uh, 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 it seems like he would be the kind of person that would would uh, kind of use that again as a template, and then put some of other people in there. And who knows, by the time he gets done with it, he may have Sheriff Buford Pusser come in and, you know, shoot Charles Manson in the head and save the day or whatever, you know, because like in Inglorious Bastards, the whole thing with you know, Hitler being killed by the Inglorious Bastards and stuff, which I still think is a good movie, you know, you just suspend disbelief on that one. Um, But Tron, um, I love Olivia Wilde. When the first time I saw this, I was like, oh my god, who is that? And then, of course, I've liked her ever since. Uh, You know, she just 
you know, I just think she's really pretty. Um, and she's funny too. I've seen her on a lot of late night shows and stuff and her and Jennifer Lawrence and, uh, like Scarlett Johansson, when they're on these shows, they're just naturally kind of, uh, funny. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, they're really good looking, but they have a good sense of humor. And, um, now they brought back Jeff Bridges and, um, uh, Bruce Boxleitner, who my sister was in love with when he starred on the TV show uh, How the West Was Won with James Arness. Um, and they, this is one of those ones that um, you can kind of look at uh, as CGI sort of um, the, not the, maybe not the genesis of CGI, but uh, how it, it, is, it is evolving. And uh, I talked about this maybe on like one of the last shows, I think, about the Star Wars movie where they brought back um, Grand Moff Tarkin. And when I was watching the movie, and I and I and he, you know, they come on, and I was like, "Holy shit! How the fuck is Peter Cushing in this movie? He's dead, you know." And how did they do this? Is that makeup? And you know, they basically CGI'd the face and everything. But I also said that you know the one thing that they don't get right that did not look right was was the eyes the eyes don't look right they don't move uh, at all like the actual eyeball and blinking um and that's sort of the way this was uh jeff jarrett kind of has two parts in this and the one where he's the younger um uh, uh part um he's cgi'd uh, and, and and then again, like I said, the genesis of it, you would have this Tron and then uh, say uh, that Star Wars movie where they brought back the Kush and then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where they made um, uh, Kurt Russell look young with his Farrah Fawcett hair driving his, you know, uh, convertible and everything, which that looked really good. Um, if they could figure out a way to CGI the face, like have, have, um, um, use the the actual actor who is older use their their face and then cgi over top of it but do it so they can so they can keep the act the actor's actual physical eyeballs and the blinking and stuff like that because when they don't it uh kurt russell in this when he is playing like the the younger version of of himself um in this it almost looks like he's cross-eyed or something, or like somebody that has a lazy eye. Uh, when he's when he's looking at the person, the the eyes don't um, they don't move. If he looks away, they don't move. It's just not natural. So anyway, but this movie wasn't wasn't horrible. It's it's not great or anything, but you know, I just kind of like I said, I like Livia Wilde and, uh, the, the first one was never like a, a, a huge, uh, favorite of mine, but it was on TV. So I watched it dig, uh, we get, get something, it gives us something to talk about. Um, I watched the, the other day, I pulled a DVD off the shelf down in the boss month while I was working out, trying to lose some girth, um, uh, fallen from 1998. This was directed by Gregory Hoblet. Um, and uh, written by Nicholas Kazan. I wonder if he's related to Elia Kazan. I'm pretty, I bet he is, you know. But it stars uh, John Goodman. Uh, I'm sorry. Denzel Washington, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, and also James Gandolfini. And you also have Elias Coteus at the very beginning, which he has a very memorable role, singing a Rolling Stones song, Time is on My Side. This is a creepy movie that I always kind of liked. Um, 
I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm thinking. I saw it in the theater. And then this might be another one that I, you know, was an early uh, movie that I bought on DVD because I know I saw it a bunch of times and we really liked it, me and my friends, because it kind of uh, leads you one way from the very beginning, the voiceover that Denzel does, and then it all kind of comes together at the end. You're like, oh, oh, you know. Um, but uh, Denzel was really good in this. I really liked the way he, he was a cop who was supposed to be kind of like a, almost like a Frank Serpico. It's like Gandolfini tells him in a bar, kind of confronts him, and he says, uh, they say that um, um, Hobbs, Hobbs don't take no cream, which means, like, you know, he's not corrupt. And he goes, is that true? Is that true, Hobbs? You don't take no cream? Like, you don't take no cream in your coffee or whatever. And, and uh, so, th- and there's a reason why he to the overall story why it's important that he is not corrupt John Goodman's really good and Donald Sutherland's really good too there's times in that one where he's kind of standing off to the side he's he's the um, like the uh, um, Denzel Washington's lieutenant in the police force and he's standing back there and he kind of gives these looks I'm like okay is he something more than what you know but anyway that's a good movie I like it if you haven't seen it I'm sure most of of y'all our our friends have seen it, but uh, if you haven't, that's one to check out. It's kind of creepy. Creepy! I want to look up something here. Daddy-o. Because I was um, on YouTube last night just looking up some stuff, and for some reason, I, f- I wanted to find um, some video of Bob Wall, uh, who, was, who played O'Hara. O'Hara! in uh, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee and uh, the guy with the big scar on his face. And I knew that he was a competitive like uh, martial artist uh, back in the 60s and 70s. And, of course, that's why he was in you know some Bruce Lee movies and some other movies. Uh, he was in Game of Death, uh, The Way of the Dragon, uh, Enter the Dragon, of course. That was the one that he made him like really famous. He was. It says here he's also in Blood and Bone with uh, Michael Jai White. But I mean, of course, he was probably seventy some years old. But I have to go back and look at that and see, um, see where he is in that movie because we reviewed that on the show, and um, it says he plays O'Hara in that as Bob Wall. Uh, I don't understand that because it says Blood and Bone and it says O'Hara, and then it says as Bob Wall. I don't know. Anyway, and then in 2015, he says he was in The Search for Count Dante. So I don't know if that was just... I always wondered, you know, everybody kept posting something about that Count Dante documentary. And nothing ever... I never heard anything else about it. I don't think... I'm trying to think if I ever saw anything... Um, For some reason, I'm thinking that it did come out. And they talked about it or that I saw some things about it, but then in the same instance, I'm wanting to say that I think it was just like a short film. But I'm going to have to look that up too to see if that actually was done. Let me, well, I'm right here in front of it. Directed by Floyd Webb, written by Floyd Webb. How long? I just want to see what the runtime is on that. The budget was $100,000. Runtime, 90 minutes. So I think for some reason, I'm thinking it did come out because I remember them talking about him being a hairdresser and kind of like, sort of like, 
it was more like a, a gimmick, almost like pro wrestling, and like a, uh, I don't know if I would say like a con, like a con. I mean, it was like um, the guy who, oh, the ass, uh, the one that, um, the Van Damme movie Bloodsport, where the Kumite and everything, and um, I have a book by that guy, and he was one of these ones like Seagal that claimed that he was in the CIA and he was an assassin and all this shit and everything, and that he had killed KGB guys and you know, and then most people say this is all bullshit. Um, so I think that um, that Count Dante was sort of like that. He was just there was a lot of those guys back in the um, in the seventies when the big um, martial arts, kung fu, karate, black belt magazine kind of stuff was going on. But guys like Bob Wall, Joe Lewis, Chuck Norris, and those guys actually fought in actual competitions. And um, I found a um, YouTube clip. And of course, like I said, he was like 75 or 78 years old or something when he did this clip. And Steven Seagal must have uh, said some shit about like Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, and you know, da da da. And uh, the, I guess Bob Wall, considering that how old he is, he didn't give a fuck, and he actually called up Steven Seagal and uh, on the phone and said, you know, you're talking number one about two of my friends, one of them who is dead and disrespecting him, and he's he's passed, and he goes, you should never do that. But he just basically told him, you meet me anywhere. And he said, I'm like 70, I think he was 75 years old or something at the time. He goes, you meet me anywhere. And he goes, and I will beat the fucking shit out of you. I will beat, I will put you in the hospital. <laughs> you know, you look, you think about that, you're like, oh my God, because fat as Seagal is and everything, and then here's this old man. Um, but, you know, uh, those guys, you know, the ones that actually could, and, and I was listening to, um, maybe it was Joe Rogan or something uh, on his podcast, and they were talking about some of those guys like Seagal and how he would say, you know, he could do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, even um, Rogan said, you know, as far as kicking and punching and jujitsu, because they said, you know, Chuck Norris actually started training with, uh, one, it wasn't the, I don't think it was one of the Gracies. It was um, Mikado or one of those guys that's like a real famous Brazilian jujitsu guy. And if you watch the... Um, um, Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, there were several times on there where they, you know, they, of course, they would always go, they would always show Chuck at least one time in the show doing some kind of martial arts. And I remember seeing a few times where he would actually do like some, you know, jujitsu and judo moves and stuff. And that's one thing Rogan said. He goes, you know, Chuck Norris actually fought in full contact competitions and was a world champion. He was like a middleweight uh, world champion. And, um, so, you know, as far as that goes, he, you know, that's one thing they would always say about like MMA and these guys talking, you know, like say movie stars and stuff like that. Even in MMA, when it first started, um, you would have these guys that were senseis or masters of this form of martial arts or that form of martial arts. But the one thing that, um, that was a, a saying that actually came true was, you know, you can do all those katas and you can practice and they would have those, um, some of those karate tournaments, they would not be full contact. They would be, um, you would just kind of touch. Like if you threw a kick, if you, 
if you threw it up towards somebody's head, they would have like the, the referee out there or judges and they would say, okay, well, you would have kicked him here, but you didn't actually kick. And until somebody actually gets hit in the face, they even say that in boxing, uh, until you can get in the gym and you can do all this and that, but until somebody smashes you in the face uh, really hard or they're on top of you putting all this pressure and raining down blows on you, whether it's standing or, or down on the ground, you don't know how you're going to react. And so these guys could be the most respected martial artist and blah, 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 blah. But then they would get in like the octagon when it first started, when MMA first started. And if a guy swarmed them or whatever, and uh, I mean...